Well, what's crack? You are listening to Battle of Kill Buzz with your host, Battle of Kill Buzz. You're not getting my name that easily. Right. of a change up for this week so i'm gonna have a chat with a girl who lost her mom through suicide when she was only 11 uh she's gonna talk to me about the shock and struggle in the aftermath of her death and how she came to raise over 1000 euro for pieta house this year so that's a real inspirational story it was an honor to have her on the podcast in fairness um and just remember if you feel down just chat to someone about it focus on your hobbies and just take down time uh, relax if you can and just try and you know be with the people who care about you and stuff like that that always helps um so together we can all stop suicide um hope you enjoyed the episode so you did the how'd you get on so you did your walk it was the hike for pa how did you get on with that i'll start off with that sure. um yes yeah, so i was in hong kong at the time of doing that um so I basically set up the GoFundMe and then sent it around to like my family, put it on Facebook, in, like I made the Instagram page, that's obviously how you found it. But um, then I couldn't do like a full hike up a big mountain because at that time in Hong Kong it was very hot. So probably would have like killed myself doing that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I ended up doing, I think it was a 10 kilometer, 15 kilometer walk in the end. And um, my dad and one of my friends and her family actually joined me in it. Um, just like a, just like for support and everything, just to kind of show that way of support because I couldn't have a huge group with COVID. And yeah. Their, like restrictions. So um, like I would have loved to have done like a proper kind of organized hike with a big group of people but unfortunately that wasn't able to happen so I just had to kind of make do with what I was able to achieve and then I actually ended up raising a thousand and fifty five euro in total all right um, good stuff for the thing like my goal was a thousand and then obviously I got a little bit past that and so that was all for Pieta House, Pieta House which I'm sure a lot of people know is a non-profit organization um based in Ireland but they do things all around the world and uh, they obviously have their yearly uh, darkness into light walk um, and they have a lot of other things but because they're non-profit they don't get their money unless people donate like that's how they can kind of keep doing it and keep helping people is from the donations and yeah. so it's like important for people and like um, obviously I've personally suffered with mental health and I've lost family that way as well like I lost my mother that way so I find it very important to kind of help support other people with that. And so even just being able to make a difference for one person to make sure that they can get the counselling that they need and the support that they need. Like PA have helped me personally as well. So giving back to that and making sure that they can continue doing the good and making sure that they can keep doing what they're doing and saving them lives. Like that's, that was my like only goal. And I think I've managed to do that at least a little bit. Uh, that's great, like the thousand and fifty-five euro. Like that's great for the likes of Pieta House. Like that helps them out a fierce amount. And um, how um, I may I may as well ask you about your mom. So she she died through suicide when you were eleven. Do you, did she kind of de-escalate? I suppose kind of did you could you see her maybe mentally getting 
or even worse if you yeah. was it kind of just out of the blue in that moment it was very out of the blue like like I still remember that day like I was only 11 and um, that morning she was supposed uh, to drop me to scale but I got the car and just walked to scale with one of my mates and that was the last time I ever seen her because she was supposed to come home at around four o'clock that day but my brother was already home to mind us when we got back from school and then obviously she didn't come back then and then my um, stepdad got home at around six and she still wasn't home and she wasn't answering so he called her job she hadn't shown up to work that day and we'd ended up calling the police and everything and putting out a search for her and it wasn't until the next day that her body was found and um obviously to hear that like from like for anyone in a family to hear that like your mother or your daughter or your wife that they lost that you've lost them that way it's very hard because then you kind of just think of all the different things that you didn't notice and then they start to come clear and you think about what you could have been able to do to change that and like even after looking back at pictures we had gone to a christening that weekend just previous and the one thing I always remember about my mom was her smile. She had an amazing smile that could literally light up a room. But in them photos, you could see she wasn't happy. And you could see that like her, it was a forced smile that she wasn't, she didn't want to be there. And that was not like her at all. And so it was little things like that, that afterwards you kind of look back and you notice them. And like even now that I'm a bit older and like my family will tell me a bit more. Um, like my nana noticed that like just different things that she just wasn't herself or that she'd say things um that like you wouldn't really you'd kind of just pass off but then when you put them all together it's like pieces of puzzle and like that's the thing like it's so easy to hide yeah. but the consequences of hiding it is so big and like you think oh they've just made one comment it's whatever like they'll be fine they're probably just having an off day but those off days build up until it just gets to a place where you can't come back from. Yeah. And, and so it just shows like the silent battle that she was fighting on her own, but she didn't think she had anyone to go to. Yeah. And was there, was there a bit of, I know that's probably a few years ago and a lot has probably changed. Was there a bit of maybe, why do you think, I know obviously you don't really know it. It's it probably maybe a stupid question to ask, but do you think you know why, she didn't come forward or she maybe had been a bit of shame about it or just kind of wanted everyone to see her as being happy all the time or was there something was that got to do with it or yeah she was a very proud woman and yeah. uh, I think that in some ways was part of her downfall was that she kind of put she had like I have three brothers so she had the four kids and we were all quite young at the time my brother was 14 and he was the oldest and then my youngest brother was only three so she had a lot going on, like she had work, all of it. And so she was a very proud woman. And I don't think she wanted people to think that she wasn't able to do it herself. And that like she wasn't happy. She wanted people to think that like everything was perfect. And that like, I don't think, I think she was ashamed to ask for help or to look for that because I don't know, like, I don't think she'd really understood how bad it was getting until it was too late. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Obviously, I can't ask her. But, yeah. um, yeah, like, I think it was just more her pride that she didn't want people to see that she was struggling. Yeah. And the, um, yeah. what, um, was the kind of aftermath like? Did you, did you, how did you get on? Did you kind of struggle a bit or was it? 
what was it like the few kind of um, weeks and months after? It was hard, definitely hard at first because we were from a very small town in Kilcock in Kildare. Yeah. And um, everybody knew everyone, like everyone was at our funeral. The church was packed and then there was loads of people standing outside, like they had speakers and also the people outside could hear the mass. So everybody knew about it. And so everywhere I went, I was always known as the girl whose ma committed suicide. Yeah. And um, so it was real hard. And we all we did lose a lot of friends. Like, obviously, people my age wouldn't really understand at that age, like when we were 11. But their parents did. And I think in such a small town, when someone who was such a big part of the community as my mom was and as our family was, when something like that happens, people don't know how to react. And I don't really hold that against them. Like you can't because you just have to be able to move on from that and understand that some people just don't like just don't get it and they don't know how to react in them situations. And that's the thing, like we lost a lot of friends and you'd think that that'd be a time when people would kind of come closer and come together. Yeah. But definitely did happen with my family. We all just like kind of tightened up and focused on ourselves and keeping our heads above water and just getting on with life because like, you can't like as hard as it is when something like that happens you can't stop you can't let your whole life go on pause just for that you need to be able to keep moving and I know for a fact that that's what my mom would have wanted she wouldn't have wanted us to kind of keep like it's just get stuck in that same place and not do something for ourselves and so like we had to just keep our heads down and just keep moving on yeah and and did it kind of they just kind of friends and stuff kind of just cl- turned her back on you and why was that uh, like um it wasn't it happened like i know it happened with a lot of like the adults like their pair like people my age their parents just didn't know how to react or didn't know what it how it would affect us and then in turn their kids maybe i don't know yeah. but i do remember that, that a lot of people just kind of turned their backs on us and would kind of avoid us if they seen us or like would go from saying how they like if we ever needed anything that they'd be there to help to just not wanting to know our name and all that. Jeez. But yet they'd be the same people who'd kind of be posting stuff like, oh, you'll be missed, um, you're an amazing woman and all that, but they don't want to be there for you. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it's pointless. I, well, the stuff on social media, it's it's nice, but like the real important stuff it is... Doesn't do it doesn't do nothing. No, like it doesn't. Not even, for you. Yeah. Yeah, like, like we important. had some amazing people who were bringing us dinners every day because they knew that we might not have the energy to be cooking. Like they'd bring us like uh, shepherd's pie, just like big plates and all of dinners and everything just yeah. to make sure that that was one less thing we had to worry about was keeping the food on the table that it meant that my stepdad, and my nanny and granddad and all could focus on the other things that come when somebody dies, like making sure that the funeral is paid off, making sure that all this is sorted making sure that we're ready to go back to school because it was at the beginning of summer and so obviously then all the skill things come around again and that was always my mom's job so it just took a lot of pressure off in that way and those are the things that make the difference is like then people showing that they're there not just posting stupid little messages on facebook and all yeah yeah um yeah so you kind of developed a bit of depression and kind of anxiety off that in the next few years. Is it just because of your mom's death and stuff like that? Um, yeah. What What was that like? Or talk to us a bit about that. Um, so it was hard, like, obviously, as a young girl losing your mother who's supposed to help, right? Who's supposed to raise you, like, 
there was the one less person I had there and like, don't get me wrong like my family are all amazing my nana and my aunties have become I call them the adoptive mummies because yeah. they all took on that role of being a mother and making sure I had that like kind of support system that like you'd usually get from a mother and um that was like and that's kind of like I feel guilty for struggling as well because I have all these people but like I think it might run in the family as well like genetically but it just that was kind of the trigger for it and so it first kind of I first started like I got my first panic attack I think the end of 2017 so I would have only been just gone 14 going on 15 and I didn't know what was happening and that was absolutely terrifying and I didn't know what to do or how to react in that situation I didn't know like if it was going to keep coming and I also didn't know how to talk about it was because I didn't even understand what was happening myself so I didn't know what to do or like how to kind of prevent that happening again so then that kind of was like a one time one off for a little while and then the depression started to come in and I just started to feel low all the time I had some other family problems going on at home and then when I turned when I finished my junior cert in 2018 I like so I was getting bullied in school um since I was young mainly but in secondary school it was quite bad and so I decided to move over to Hong Kong to live with my real dad in 2018 and then the depression kind of started getting worse and I'd been seeing counsellors and therapists since my mom died so it's been seven years now of me seeing a therapist but I just never knew how to kind of actually tell them how that like I was having certain thoughts or whatever because I didn't want I'd seen what losing someone to suicide did to my family and I didn't want to put them through that again and that was one of the biggest things that kept me going and it still is one of the biggest things that keeps me going is my family but um I then went on to medication to help with it and like there's certain things that like obviously the medication isn't a full-time fix we still have to go to the council we still have to be able to talk up about things but the first time I actually felt suicidal was terrifying because I finally understood how my mom felt because before that I always wondered how my mom could leave us how she could like leave four children behind and everything but then that day I was sitting there and I was like I understand and um that was hard but um I'm in a lot much better place now it's also hard to kind of speak to our family about that because I know it can be upsetting to them as well to hear that like they're that someone they love is feeling like that but I learned the hard way and like I learned from my mom's mistake or not even I wouldn't say mistakes but I learned from what happened with my mom how important it is for me to talk up and so I've been like I go to therapists and I know that that doesn't help with everyone but you just have to kind of it's like a trial and error not every it's not like one size fits all some therapists work for you some don't and different types of therapy as well and so I like I still see one at the moment because even though I am feeling better in myself you never know how quickly things can change and just having that support system in place of someone whose job it is to not judge you 
and who knows like the proper protocol of like if like I am starting to feel down in myself again that they know they have them methods that can help bring me out of that space and that I feel like that's a very important thing and a lot of people don't realize how helpful that can be just even if you are feeling better in yourself to still have that even if you only go once a month to have that place where you can vent and where like it's a safe healthy environment to kind of better yourself in yeah um, um yeah, also, but I like I also learned a lot from this is because like I've let it kind of instead of letting it kind of break me down I'm using these experiences like I'm hoping to go to college for psychology and I want to open my own therapy clinic for children so yeah. that I can kind of help other people get through what I've been through and so nobody like because I know how hard that can be and I want to show them that it is possible to kind of get through it and fight and make something of yourself yeah and do you still do you still kind of have your kind of bad days and your bits of the anxiety and stuff that's probably anxiety is nearly kind of built in it's kind of something you you can only kind of talk yourself around every day it's not really something you can get rid of could you say like the last few months or is there different days where you say jesus no i'm down at my lowest again or, or what way does that work well yeah like um even with depression it's never like I had to accept that that was a very hard thing to accept is that for the rest of my life I'm going to be battling with depression and anxiety but it's about having them like outlets that you can go to and that you know you have people that you know you can talk to you have your different ways of coping like because like these little kind of coping mechanisms they're not going to work for everyone like some people do meditation, some people use sports as an outlet. Everybody has that little thing that works for them. And obviously, like I still get me down days. Like um I've learned how to kind of bring myself out of it. But I'm, it doesn't always work in those times where I have to go to my family and say to them, I'm not feeling great. Like and then they just even if it just means that I sit there with them and I just cry or whether I like kind of take a day off to myself like just eat ice cream and just lie in bed yeah. or they'll bring me out of the house to kind of keep me from going like from spiraling because it gets me out of my head and so like everybody has different little coping mechanisms and it's about finding what works for you because you're never going to fully like it's not something that you can cure like there's no cure for depression and anxiety and like it's something that the, one of the hardest things about it is accepting the fact that you're never going to be free of it and that it, for the rest of my like for the rest of your life it's going to be something you battle with but once you accept that and you just learn that if you do what works for you it'll make things a lot easier but knowing that you're going to have days where you feel like complete crap and then there's going to be days where you feel like you're on the top of the world and even if you're not suffering with anxiety and depression, you're going to have days like that. And anyways, everybody's sad sometimes. Yeah. Like, everybody gets sad. Everybody has days where they just don't want to talk to anyone. But it's just about kind of realising, so far, my success rate in getting through life is 100%. I've made it through every day. And it's about looking at the smallest accomplishments. Like, if you feel like you're kind of, 
everything's against you and you feel crap about yourself just remember the small things like you got through the day you didn't like if it means that you ate a meal like you ate your full meal or you went outside it's about them small little accomplishments that keep you going not looking at big things and just focusing on little things and breaking it down because it just makes things look, seem a lot easier to deal with. Yeah. Um, the last thing, the last thing I kind of want to talk about is just um, to see just people around. There's, um, I think suicide, like it's, it's young people. There's a lot of people, like stories I've just heard over the last few weeks. You know, there's always seems to be one or two every, even every few months, you always hear one or two suicides just around the place. And neither of us are counsellors or anything like that. But like, what can normal people do? Like if day to day, make lads make people feel better and just main thing stop suicide like I think it's such a it's hard because as I said like even with my man it's very hard to notice if people don't want you to know something you won't know yeah. and it's about like if you see that your friend is starting to draw into themselves or you notice them doing things that they wouldn't usually do you notice like self-destructive behavior or even like that they're wearing long tops all the time, no matter what the weather is, to try hide self-harm, things like that. If you notice I'm not eating, as hard as it is, go to someone about it. Even if they beg you not to tell anyone, you can't save them without help. As you said, we're not counsellors. I've had to do it for friends before, and I've had people have to do it for me. They've had to go to the school counsellor, or you go to a teacher or to a parent and say to them, look, I think there's something not right here because X, Y, Z, whatever. But it's little things like that and just being like a shoulder to cry on by your friend. And I know everybody says it, but like social media, like the whole bullying thing. Don't get me wrong. I know for a fact I am not, like nobody's perfect. I know I've probably hurt people before or said nasty things to someone. And you don't realise, and I, I always feel horrible. And you don't realise how deeply that can affect someone. Like, since, like even saying something small as you're fat or lose weight or whatever, yeah. it can be so damaging to, so especially as like, we're still like young, we're still growing up, that like, we take all this stuff real serious. And so it can end up just being like, real harmful, as even if you think it's just a joke, it might not be a joke to someone else. And so I just feel like it's very important to just try your best to just be nice or just say nothing at all because you never know how you're going to affect someone or what someone has going on. That like you could say one small thing and that could be the last straw for them. Like they could have been trying to hold on for so long and then that could be the last problem. But you have to make sure that you're not trying to fix somebody's problems on your own because that's just damaging to you as well. And like, I think that's one thing a lot of people try to do is just save their friends themselves, which they can't do. Like you need that professional help. And there's hotlines for that where you can call and talk to them about a loved one or a friend who you think might be a harm to themselves. And things like that are so important because like making that one phone call could literally save someone's life. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think the main the main story is I, the main moral of the story. I think is just be kind, like just be sound to people. Yeah, not, you know. So, um, 
Yeah, that's nearly all I have to say. Uh, thanks a million for doing the episode. It's, it's probably not the not the easiest thing in the world to talk to something like this about talk to a stranger about something like that. So, so thanks a million for uh, doing it. It's important though, like to kind of yeah. raise the awareness. So I'm glad that I like, could come on to kind of share my story. Yeah, thanks a million. Oh, it was a good good chat and fairness, and hopefully, hopefully people, hopefully people are a bit more aware, maybe a mate or something if they're a bit down or um stuff like that, and they can try and watch out for them a bit more. So hopefully it makes a bit of a difference. Um, yeah. so uh. So thanks a million for doing it, Annie. It means a lot. Um, thanks for having me. No, but I'll try and fucking end right. it. <laughs> All right, thanks very much. All right, mind yourself. See you. Bye bye. Uh, thanks for listening and uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Right, sound. <laughs>